Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here are your co-hosts, Shenandoah Connor and Barron's Hall of Fame top advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors podcast. I am your host, Shenandoah Connor, and with me as always is Jonathan Cutton. Say hi, John. Hey everyone, happy to be here, buried in snow. Um, but with that being said, happy to, uh, happy to be here again with our good friend, John Randall, who um, uh, most of you have heard from uh, on one of our previous podcasts, and I will share, John, I'm a little jealous. Your podcast seemed to have become the most viewed, and we got lots of questions uh, about exactly, you know, kind of how we get into this niche, niche, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> marketing. I don't know if it's a niche or a niche, but I'm going to switch it Maybe up. Maybe we can figure, figure that out on this podcast, too, is how do we say it? <laughs> Maybe we should just do an episode on, on is it niche marketing or is it niche marketing? <laughs> tomatoes and tomatoes. But uh, <laughs> with that said, John, maybe you could say hello again. And uh, thanks again for coming on short notice here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. We've got lots and lots of value to share. And uh, what a great forum. It's great to be uh, uh, part of these with, gosh, a Barron's Hall of Fame advisor. What a great forum for all you advisors listening to learn from here. Oh, please go on, John. Just go on. Oh, it's always good to start by giving the host a compliment. It's a good way to start off. <laughs> well, well, like John said, in our we had you on a, a couple months ago and talked about just how to grow a practice. And one of the things that you mentioned was about niche marketing, um, which is what we wanted to bring you back and, and really dive deeper into that because we have received a lot of questions. But for any of our listeners who haven't heard that podcast, we will link back to it if you want to go back and listen to it. But if they don't know who you are, they didn't listen to it. Can you just give us a little bit of a background about who you are and what you do? So I spent most of my career as an advisor, just like all of you listening here. And uh, in fact, started up on Long Island. And my very first uh, manager that helped bring me in the business was John Cutton. And I spent uh, about 20 years as an advisor, uh, spent uh, about five years in New York, uh, where I was living. My wife's from there. Uh, she had a brother in North Carolina, a baseball scholarship. We live in North Carolina. And I tell you, when I moved, all these advisors reached out to me and said, hey, what are those advisors doing up there? Like John Cutton, how do they write so much business? Would you show me? And at the same time, I grew my practice really quickly when I moved because I knew what worked and what didn't. And I only did the stuff that worked. And I tell you, it took me about a year and a half to build what it took me five years to build in New York. So that really launched a lot of the coaching consulting I do. And um, I built a large practice. I sold it off in pieces because I really gravitated to helping other advisors grow. So that's all I do full time, all day, every day. Uh, I think of myself as like the uh, uh, what Bill Belichick is for football, what Phil Jackson is for basketball. I try and be that for financial advisors, helping great advisors that want to go be better than they ever could be on their own. Bill Belichick. I shouldn't talk about dates, but um, we're recording this the day after Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, just as an aside, is Tom Brady the best to ever play the game or not? Goat, no contest. Huge yes. Brady fan. I mean, 
the the statistics are uh, are are they're, they're remarkable. I, I think I we're going to get a hate one. mail though. I'm I'm just going to say there's a lot of Mahomes fans. So I think we're going to get some hate mail on uh, this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Pat Mahomes is incredible too. I mean, gosh, I mean, for as young as he is, he's going to have an incredible career. But uh, to be in half the Super Bowls in the last twenty years, I mean, gosh, that's that's pretty remarkable feat. So uh, yeah, I, I could I, say I, as a lifelong Giant fan. Um, you know, I, I have never been a Tom Brady fan and um, I've got to share. I now root for him. It's like what this guy accomplishes. Uh, he is the goat and uh, I, it pains me a little to say it, but he is as good as advertised, maybe even better, which is kind of crazy. Agreed. Agreed. Well, now that we got the football discussion out of the way, let's get back to what we're here to talk about today. And that's the niche marketing topic. Um, so to set us up, John, tell us, you know, what is niche marketing? Why is it important? And then I guess for, for John Cutton's edification, how do you say it? So I think if you're consider yourself to be fancy or some, uh, from someplace fancy niche is absolutely the way to go. Uh, one reason I like to say niche is I had a great business mentor teach me one time that there is riches in niches. And the advisors that figure this out are the ones that grow the most. So niche marketing is, it's pretty simple. It's focusing on only a particular segment of the market. So it's not making like a, a screen to every consumer in the world. It's making a screen in a very specific direction. So a very small group of people can hear you. And it's really the key to being an individual advisor. If you're on a team of advisors, it, it's really critical. You can't compete with the, the, like the Walmarts or the targets of our industry. You know, you look at Vanguard, I like to call them Vanguardians of the Galaxy, uh, Fidelity, Schwab, they market to the masses. They are looking to deal with everyone on a very large scale for a very low price. You as a financial advisor, you have to be different for people to work with you over these big, you know, Walmart Target-like conglomerates. You've got to be different. And the easiest way to get access to people is through a smaller group. So it can really be efficient if you can crack this code. And we're going to talk about how to crack this code and make this work today. But it can really be efficient to, to really operate in this concept of, of niche or niche marketing. Because if you think about it, you can really streamline things and take a lot less time because you're dealing with a lot less people. You're not dealing with millions and millions of people. We are honing in on a very specific segment of the market. And it requires a lot less effort to work with a smaller group. Remember, not working with anyone, just this small group. It's much easier to become known in this smaller group. It's also easy to hone your expertise with a smaller group. It's really hard to know, you know every aspect of uh, uh, financial planning and advanced investments for lots of different people it gets pretty hard. But for example, if you worked with people at a particular company, you could become an expert in their unique benefits or maybe some unique you know, stock option plans that they have there. It's a lot easier to become known, a lot easier to hone your expertise 
it is by far the best way for an individual advisor or a team of advisors to acquire new clients. No contest. Wow. Excellent. No, I think you definitely set it up for us there. And uh, your nerd was showing a little bit too with that Ben Guardians of the Galaxy comment, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we get, you know, niche marketing or niche marketing, if we're fancy, is really important. And like you said, it's easier to scale, it's easier to specialize. But how does an advisor who's already been kind of at it for a while, but hasn't defined a market, how do they define what is their their niche market? So this is really the million dollar question here. And and this is where I see a lot of advisors struggle. And, And this is a lot of what I do as a coach and consultant is help people find what their niche is. A lot of times it's sitting right in front of them in their practice. They don't realize it or help them identify one that they might want to pursue and and go down. And so um, so let's look at at John Cutton. I mean, John Cutton's like the Tom Brady of CPA partnerships and leveraging CPAs to bring uh, uh, advisors to his his massive practice. Now, you're not gonna be like John Cutton day one. I mean, he brings in hundreds of millions of new assets every year from lots of relationships. He's Uh, got an ultra niche going. It's hard to to start that day one, but hey, there was a day that John Cutton didn't have the CPA relationship. And then he started with one and then it became two and then became three and it's grown into this thing. So you've got to find your starting point here is, is, is really the key. And you know what? It can start with as little as one client or maybe two clients that are in your book. I think the easiest thing to do is look at what are the commonalities within your book? What are two clients that have something similar? So it's ideal if this occurs at the top of your book. So, so start at the top of your book and look down and look, what are some char- characteristics of these, these people? Uh, it could be um, uh, where they work, where they used to work, or, or do you have any clients in a similar industry? Uh, do they uh, live in the same neighborhood? Do maybe they have similar interests? And it could be as simple as, oh my gosh, I've got a couple of people that, that like golf. It could be, um, uh, gosh, I got a couple of people that work at this particular place. So that's really the, the starting point here. I'll give you some examples of, of, of some common niches. Um, niches. We'll, we'll start at a high level and I'll, I'll share how advisors really break them down. I mean, one could be general like business owners. And I know in my practice, that was one of the areas where I excelled. They were just like me. They, they kind of own their own business. You know, I own my own uh, uh, franchise and I really related to them. And there was particular types of businesses that I just worked with pretty well. You know, that, that can be a niche. Uh, divorcees is a popular niche I see. Widows, uh, people that have uh, specific hobbies and interests is really neat. I'm not talking about something like really general, like like golf. It could be um, uh, getting more uh, specific into uh, like maybe it's collecting Tom Brady sports memorabilia. You know, the more specific you can get, the better. But same industry, same profession, uh, uh, same company is massive. Employees of the same company are really big. So they're just kind of some, some starting points that you should look for. So any commonalities within those, within your book is where you want to start. But uh, you, you might start 
at a general high level that the key is to get more narrow. And, and I'll give you an example of how to narrow down. Uh, a lot of advisors would like to work with clients that have uh, seven figures to invest uh, at their firm. So let's say that uh, medical professionals might be an avenue you want to go down to acquire people that have seven figures or assets or more. Uh, then you might say, well, gosh, surgeons tend to be really uh, highly compensated, probably have a lot of assets. You know, that might be a little bit more narrow than it could be. You know what? Orthopedic surgeons might be a specific area uh, that you want to go deeper with. And then really the next level is just, you know, maybe orthopedic surgeons that own their own practice or the partners of XYZ orthopedic surgeons, you're going to be the expert for those people. You're going to be everything for that really small group. That can take you from working with anybody to getting a little bit more focused down to, I want to help these exact people. So start big, start wide try and find just maybe two clients that have some kind of commonality and then let's narrow it down. So uh, one of my niches was uh, car dealers. People that own car dealerships, to take that's a big investment to get into that business. And um, hey, I worked with a bunch of them. They were just really good clients. I got to really know their business really well. I spoke their language. And guess what? They all hang out together. They get together once a month and talk to each other. They go to conferences with, with other uh, uh, dealers. Then it's really easy to become known and get referred to that group. So start big, find a couple common occurrences and dig deeper. And the more specific you can be, the more successful you're gonna be with this particular concept. Yeah, John, well, really well said. Um, what was the, the line you said before? Niches create riches, is that what it yes, was? Yes, riches and niches. I'm going to steal that one if you don't mind. Um, I like that one. So as usual, as you're kind of speaking here, a lot of things come flying into my brain. Um, you know, so one is, it's funny, I don't know that I even ever thought of partnering with CPA firms the way we've built a fair share of our business as a niche, but I guess it is as I think about it. I just think about it as part of our marketing plan, our, our CPA alliances. So just a couple of interesting facts. Um, I've done two interesting acquisitions in the last, say, six months, right? Um, one was a, about a $2 million a year revenue business, a couple hundred million of assets. And interestingly enough, inside that business, about 25% of the clientele happened to enjoy race cars. Uh, and it turns out that the principal of the business, that was his passion and his son's actually. And a lot of the clientele within the business happened to have that commonality. And then the second one, actually a similar size business, again, a couple hundred million dollar business. The, the advisor um, happens to be what's called a kingdom advisor, um, which I think you, you know what that's about a little bit, John. In fact, he just spoke this morning, which is what jogged my memory to uh, my team to talk about exactly, you know, what a kingdom advisor is and uh, what's involved in that. And for the listeners, it's you know very interesting. It's really all about faith-based and biblical, if mm -hmm. you will, wealth management, kind of tying the two together. And there's special certifications and training and, uh, you know, a, a process to ultimately go through. But of course, due to his specialization or niche, a big part of his clientele right, are folks that have a very strong faith in Christianity 
uh, and have been able to build a, a very substantial, loyal, uh, referable, uh, if you will, book of business. So, you know, it's interesting until you actually start to think about it, this does exist in a lot of businesses. Sometimes it's not intentional, right? And I guess, um, you know, it's, it's just interesting. As I've bought smaller businesses over the years or coached smaller advisors over the years, it's rare that we talk about a niche, right? So pretty simple guy, big businesses have niches. Small businesses don't in my own little simple mind a little bit sometimes. Obviously, it's not always that case. So to get more granular, right? Because the industry talks about it, coaches talk about it, marketing uh, people uh, talk about how to build a niche, right? So what do you do, right? And, you know, when you said before, you know, John Cutton started with one CPA firm, you're right. I can tell you who it was. It was Ken Serini, one of my past guests in 2001. Uh, he was the fuel that worked so well. I said, let's do more. And everything I learned from working with Ken is actually why I was able to get better. And every time I added another CPA firm, I learned more. And, I, and I'm just trying to tie this together for the audience. I got, you know, I'm doing air quotes, air quotes, um, you know, to be one of the industry experts, let's say, in building relationships with CPA firms, because we did it a lot. And then I started to coach people and I got all of these experiences because it wasn't only that which I did on my own, but it was also that in which people that I, I coached actually did, right? So I got to hear their war stories and you know how they were figuring things out with CPAs. I was able to give them ideas, but I was also able to quote unquote, take some ideas, right? So when, when you think about that, right? Step one, I think you said, which is super smart, look inside your client base. Think about your interests, things along those lines, find some commonality. What is step two? Can you give us an example of, so let's say to your point, it's you know, uh, you know, clients that work currently at Acme, right? And let's say I've got three clients that happen to work at Acme Corporation that I enjoy working with that have you know, uh, account sizes that are ideal, uh, for my business, what do I then do? What's, what's that next step? So I can't believe I'm going to give this away because this is exactly what people pay me for, but uh, only for your listeners, John. Here it is. Here's right, exactly I, what, 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 what people do. So let's say we find there's two people that work for Acme. They t- they're pretty good clients and, and we like to have more people with, with Acme. So Here's the first thing we need to do. We, we need to self-proclaim that we are an expert in people that work for Acme. Even if you're not yet, you, you've got to think that you are the expert for these particular people. And you've got to tailor everything you do for them. All the way that, that you do business, your vernacular, you, you've got to tailor everything you, you use, you, you do for them. So your language has got to be relevant to, to these particular people. So the, 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 the mindset going into this is really key that you're going to be an expert with people that work for Acme Corporation. So next, where the rubber hits the road is to talk to these people, the couple, you know, one or two clients that you might have at this company and talk to them about, gosh, I've gotten to know uh, your benefits and what you need really, really well. And I want to become the greatest expert 
for people that work for Acme and work with more people just like you. Because these initial one or two people that you have, they're really, your, they're, they're the key. They're your access point to other people. So we've got to tailor everything for them, but then also leverage them on how we can get to other people. One of the greatest techniques I've seen is starting a little mini board with these people and really just discussing, gosh, how could we work with more people at Acme? It could be the one or two people you have already. You could invite some other people that you are not doing business with, that you wished you were doing business with, just to be part of this feedback board. It is an awesome launch point, and there's a, a, a ton after that we can do. But uh, uh, John, what's your thoughts on, on using this board in little groups to kind of kickstart and ignite this fire? Yeah, no, thanks for the lead in there. And um, I, you know, for those the listeners, John and I are looking at each other on Zoom. So I gave him the, the eyes. So tie back another uh, podcast guest, right? Ray Kelly, uh, who we're planning to have on again soon. I think he's scheduled actually. Ray's got this really simple thing, right? And he asked this question um, to, to pretty much everyone he coaches. And he says, would you rather give help or would you rather get help, right? So would you rather ask someone for help or would you actually rather just give someone help? And I'll, I'll ask Shenandoah that question. Would you rather give it or get it? I think it depends on the subject, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but we always do like to, um, I mean, it feels good to give, but it's also like sometimes you're in a situation where you need help and you get it, but it always feels good to give help and support others for sure. About 90% of people that you ask that question to, said they would rather give help than ask for help, right? And I probably framed that out a little bit, bit poorly. It's give or ask, right? You, you don't want to appear weak, right? You don't want to come to someone and say, please help me, I don't know what to do here. But when someone comes to you and says, hey, John Randall, um, you've been an amazing client of mine for years and years, and I could really use your help here. Um, I am expert at ACME corporation benefits and feel like I've done a fantastic job for you and for a couple of your colleagues over at Acme. Could we grab lunch together and talk a little bit about how you might be able to help me learn a little bit more of how I could help people just like you, right? So I think just to kind of hit that one, John, as you were saying it, it's so simple, but when you think about niche marketing, the two things that you said that I think are profoundly simple, right? And this is what's interesting. You hear niche marketing, niche marketing over and over and over again, but advisors can't get right to simplicity. They can't understand what are the things that I actually need to do so this will ultimately work. And I think you made them really, really simple, um, maybe without even knowing. It's probably why you're so darn successful with your clients, right? The first thing is, um, you have to be an expert or act as if you're an expert, right? So I think John said it really, really well in that when I first started working with CPA firms, it's interesting when I now say 20 years later, we're John's words. I say we've actually built our business when I meet a new CPA today around CPA firms. So everything we do is geared in mind so that your clients as a CPA get an unbelievable experience and it's tied into the work that you do right? Um, I didn't know that 20 years ago when I started, right? But that's what we wound up ultimately doing. So 
I just wanted to kind of frame that out because I, I, I think that's the key here to make it really simple. Define the niche, profess expertise in whatever that is, whether it be working with CPAs, whether it be race car owners, whether it be small business owners or folks over at Acme Corporation, and then rely on the time-tested rule that 90% of people, when asked if they would prefer to ask for help or give help, 90% of the time, people want to feel important and they want to feel like they were instrumental in other people's success. So sorry to kind of go on that long rampage there, John, but I think therein lies, therein lies the success and what I think a lot of advisors are missing, I think a lot of advisors think about how do I join an association where there's, you know, to your point, John, you know, dentists that, you know, specialize in a certain surgery that are 55 to 57 years old and, you know, have pet frogs at home, right? It doesn't need to be that particular. Um, it needs to be particular enough that you can profess expertise and differentiate. I really agree a thousand percent and, and simplicity is key in all this. Uh, the, the answers are sitting in front of you and it's hard to see them. It's a busy business. There's a lot of clutter in this business and it's easy to get caught up in that and not see these things that are right in front of you. Just asking somebody for advice and help and shutting up and listen, it's, it's the greatest thing that advisors can do. It's, most just don't do it. <laughs> Most don't stop and listen. You want to tell uh, or you have some awkward referral ask. Uh, it's really keeping it simple. It's really just asking this very specific group, hey, how can we work with more people like you? It's, it's really the, the in. And, and I tell you, the advisors that do it, I've seen people turn uh, two people that work at one country, uh, one company into hundreds and millions in, in production revenue that comes from it. I, I see it time and time again. It's there, it's in front of you. So that, that, that's really the, the biggest step it is just talk to these people. Uh, you can do it individually. A, a board kind of helps because the people giving advice, they might feed off each other. And uh, th there's some neat synergy that, that happens there. There's a, a few other ideas that stem from this. And, and one of the best that that's another one very simple very easy to implement is what i like to refer to as items of value if you can put together things that are valuable to the people in your niche you've got some nice ammunition here so item of value could be a specific item of knowledge about you know a, a, since we're about employees at a company benefits of their plan or some kind of you know, tax savings, something special, anything that would be valuable to these people. This is what you want to arm yourself with. And if you can build an outreach plan of consistently giving away items of value, you will magnetically attract more people to wanna to work with you. Love it, John. No, you're, you're hitting my memory uh, on a couple of things that I wanted to ask you. So I just wanna, clarify and simplify even a bit more, right? So um, when you work with a handful of ACME advisors, uh, ACME clients, right? Uh, and the, the ACME employee clients 
agree to meet with you, whether it be individually or to your point in some kind of advisory council, right? So you might have to start your three ACME employees out to breakfast or lunch or in today's world, maybe on a Zoom or something like that, right? It sounds like what I'm hearing you say is you're not asking them, hey, can you introduce me to five people that are colleagues of yours? It sounds like what you're doing is you're asking them something along the lines of, I'd like to work with more people at ACME. If you were me, what would you do to get introduced to more people at ACME? I know that sounds really simple, but is that is that accurate? It, the advisors that do it that simply, they get the best results. They really do. That, gosh, I can really help you. I really enjoy working with you. Uh, what do you think I should do to work with more people just like you? And stop and listen, and they will give you gold. No, excellent. And I mean, that got me thinking too, kind of along those lines, and you were talking about getting to know them and how to do more things, it, just figuring out what the problems are that they're facing. And um, I, this just kind of jogged my memory. I had a conversation with um, one of our, our Texas team and was learning about our female advisor down there is an avid runner. She does a lot of racing and competing. And this has kind of organically become a niche for her, but she's figured out a couple of key problems that that group has. So you talked about figuring out items of value. Well, an item of value to this group is they actually have to figure out how to finance some of these races. The race itself is expensive. They travel for these things. If they're really serious competitors, their equipment, all of those things, just like you would finance and figure out if a client's wanting to plan for a big vacation, similar concepts, but she's gotten really good at figuring out how to plan for financing these big competitive races. And she's built a whole niche around that. It's something she enjoys. She sponsors races. I mean, there's a lot of the other marketing things around it, but just she actually figured out how to solve a problem and provide value to a very specific group. And it's something she already loves and enjoys and is a part of anyways. So just that that really triggered that, that kind of um, value item. But along those lines, I mean, we're here and we're talking about, you know, focusing on acne or focusing on dentists or focusing on CPAs. Some advisors might struggle with it because they have groups that they like working with and there might be more than one that they don't have anything in common. Do they have to focus on just one niche or can they have two to three? Is there like a maximum number, like no more than this? You know, it would be a dream to have one niche that you you build your whole career on. Um, I I see a lot of the top advisors I work with, they have it. Um, John, I'd ask you, as you look at a lot of the, uh, um, you know, Barron's top 100 advisors, um, do a lot of them have niches and really, you know, small areas they're working with? See, the, the top advisors have figured out what they do is they actually have one niche and then they have one niche. That's why we, we can't confuse them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw that one in there. Um, yeah, I, I would share that it, interestingly enough, um, you almost always find that top advisors have a particular niche, if not several. Um, and, and the best advisors that ultimately become true CEOs built their own niche. And then what they do is they help those in their organization build their own niche and so on and et cetera. So one firm, while John Cutton as an advisor might handle say two different type of niches within his practice, if John Cutton has three advisors on his team or five or 10, et cetera, each of them should develop their own one or two niches in their 
you know, kind of what, what what's important to them and uh, and who they best serve to be able to replicate and do the same. So I would look at it that way. And I want to bring us back again, John, to the the items of value, right? And we'll we'll we're gonna we'll tie this all back uh, at the end. I think, and I'm really, you know, John, we know each other for a long time, so appreciative of uh, sharing some of your pearls of wisdom that generally I think people pay for. But truth be told, here's what I know, and I think you know this as well, 99% of advisors will do nothing with it unless they <laughs> actually have someone there holding them ac accountable, putting KPIs in place, measuring it, and helping them, you know, get uncomfortable, because this can be uncomfortable to host meetings like this on your own. Um, but when you talk about items of value, right, you know, one, one piece that you referenced was, again, if you worked with, you know, employees at Acme being a specialist on their benefits and things along those lines, you know, would other examples, you know, so Shenandoah talked about this advisor on our team who's into running, right, and, and part of, uh, you know, kind of that world, and I'm asking because I actually don't know the answer, would it also be suitable to send that niche a valuable piece of information about the best running shoes, as an example, right? Um, or, you know, something along those lines. Maybe you could talk a little to that point. Exactly. It's it's really just finding more ways that you're valuable. So yeah, if your niche is, is runners, is yeah, here's the, the best places to run in our area. Hey, here's the latest uh, uh, shoes. Uh, here's a way to care for your shoes or maybe do these kind of stretches. Uh, th those are all uh, items of value. Yeah, race car owners. Th there's a million things there that would be of value and interest to them. So that's the kind of things you want to get be getting out there. It could be an article. It could be a book you send. Uh, look, there's there's endless information out there on on Google. Uh, you can find stuff about literally anything. So the more, again, the more specific you can get in this area of interest, and if it's valuable to them, that's, that's what you're really going after here. And, uh, and, and it is neat that people's interests almost are more valuable than, hey, here's a little trick with your you know, benefits at work, or here's a uniqueness about your 401k plan that very few people are taking advantage of. Uh, if your niche is an area of interest or a, a common um, uh, hobby of people, th those can you know, really reel in people quicker. And, and remember, you're giving these away. You're giving away these items of value consistently. And I recommend advisors give them away, you know, something unique once a month. And then of the people that are you know, either your, your clients in this niche or or, or prospects, people you wish you were doing business with in, in that niche. Now you've got a reason to follow up with them. That isn't begging them for business. You have something to talk about that. Hey, what did you think of that item of value? What did you think of that article about the best places to run in our area? Have you ever uh, done any of those? I was interested to hear. I'm thinking about checking some out. Uh, it's a different level of connection when you're talking about the item of value and you're not just someone begging people for business. So it's, it's a great tool. But remember, if you're consistently getting these out there, you're suddenly a pretty valuable person to the people in this niche. So the more you get that out, I see it, it magnetically attracts people to want to do more with you. So build up a, a solid arsenal of these things. Even you start with one, 
two articles, a book, something of relevance, just think about your people, what would speak to them, build these out, send them out regularly. And uh, the more particular they are to these people, the, the better. And look, this could be something that you ask your, um, uh, your targeted maybe board about is gosh, what would be really helpful items of value? Uh, what can I get out there? I mean, listen to them. They'll give you all kinds of knowledge and not only what to do, but how you can arm this. This is one of the best techniques I, I've seen that uh, outside of the board learning, what are these items of value you could send, doing it regularly, and then building some regular follow-up. One of my uh, business mentors, he calls this his uh, list of 100 approach. He has 100 people that uh, some are top clients, some are prospects, some are people he just wished he was doing business with. And if you run the math, uh, he said something out to him once a month and he follows up with four per day. And if you really run that cycle of, of you know, four per day times five per week is 20, he's got individual contact with all 100 of them every single month in addition to the, the group contact. So you might only start with two people on your list of 100, but it really is a great way to have consistent individual contact with these people. And what it does, it's gonna magnetically attract them to want to do something with you much sooner. You're giving away value. You've got personal contact about this area of interest. They're going to do something sooner than just waiting for the stars to align and these people eventually becoming your client. It's accelerating results and getting them in your door much, much faster. Yeah, no, John, well said. Um, uh, totally get it. And I think it's super smart. You know, if I'm an advisor listening in, right, and that's my role on this, when I, when I host this, I always try to take the view of the, the, I'll say the cynic or the skeptic, right, a little bit. So it, there's, a, there's a point in doing this, right, where you need to go, depending on the type of niche, right? If it's Acme employees, it's it's a little bit easier, right? But if it's running, you know, a, a runner and, you know, more of a personal interest, as an example, as you're providing this valuable information, right? At some point, hopefully in a very comfortable way, your world as a runner and your world as a financial advisor, right? needs to intersect, right? And I could envision an advisor going, well, these are my buddies that I run with or I race cars with or I, you know, uh, fish with, uh, you know, you, you name it, hunt with, et cetera. Um, and at some point it becomes uncomfortable to have that stigma of here comes John Cutton, the financial advisor saying, hey, you know, I'm hosting an event or if you need any help with financial planning, let me know. Any kind of tricks of the trade that you can share with the audience on how that starts to, how you do that and get that comfort level, or does it just organically kind of occur? So it, it's really finding what's the human connection with, with these people. You know, it's okay advisors to be like an actual human being here and not just be a, a, a professional all the time. So with, with these people, even though they work at that company, if you can find something that it, you have in common or something you could do together, it could start with eating a meal. All human beings eat something. Uh, it could start uh, uh, with something as simple as that. It could be, you know, gosh, we, it, it turns out we both like wine. Uh, it, and it's really easy to find out this stuff with social media these days. It could turn out, uh, hey, we both uh, enjoy bourbon or 
we enjoy an occasional cigar or we're uh, also New York Giants fans. Uh, it's finding that that personal connection there, I think, brings us to another level. Then it's not, yeah, the, the John, the financial advisor is coming to shake the tree and, and beg us for business. It's, hey, that's the person that we enjoy wine with. And uh, let's try new wine and, and talk about it. Or uh, let's do, you know, maybe a, a virtual wine tasting or uh, do something in person one day, depending on where you live. Th this is uh, this is really the end. And so the advisors that can break through the, you know, I'm the ACME specialist here, but I'm also the ACME specialist that we have X in common and like to do it together. That makes this a lot easier. And then your items of value could be around this area of interest that you have together. Yeah, no, love it. And, you know, John, super, you know, super well said as usual. It's, it's a skill set, right? And that's, and that's something I just I, I want advisors to listen closely to um, to this piece because I think it's a really important one if you're you know really serious about growing your business. It's also a belief in that what you do is really valuable and your purpose is to help people, right? So when you believe you're asking for help, like we talked about before, it's uncomfortable. You'd rather give help right than ask for help. It's the same thing as a financial advisor. So we're really focusing in my practice, um, just to switch gears slightly, but I think it's an important point, on helping advisors grow their business through referrals from their existing clients. Not even from a niche perspective, but just from the perspective of you know, every, every client that we meet, right? And we, were, we, were, we actually do some role playing around this. And one of the more senior advisors kind of demonstrated what he does. And what he said was really simple. Um, he, he, and you know him, John, it's uh, Aaron Shankman, who, I, who was a friend of both of ours, right? And Aaron just said, you know, what I've been sharing with clients is, hey, I've been at this for over a quarter of a century. I watched what happened in the last year or so from COVID's perspective and families who weren't properly prepared and, you know, didn't have all of their ducks in a row, so to speak. And John, you're a valued client of mine for a long time. And I just want to let you know, um, because you're my client, and I care about you. I'm really happy to help anyone that's important to you, whether it be for a second opinion or just ask any questions. And I decided to not be so bashful about asking because I'm really not asking you for your help. I'm asking because I want to help you and people that you care about. So I hope I don't make you uncomfortable. But if there are people in your life that are important to you that might benefit from some time with me, I'm happy to do that for you. That's a lot different than the old school saying, there's three ways I get paid. And the last <laughs> way was referrals from clients. So I'm just sharing that because I think thematically, um, when you're talking about it, it's so simple. And I'm just like envisioning it like, okay, great. We, we enjoy running, right? We find this commonality. And then I find out to your point, John, that you love sushi. Well, guess what? I love sushi as well. One day, maybe we should go out and grab some sushi together. When we're out to lunch having sushi, I'm probably going to you know, say to you, hey, John, I've never asked you. We run together. I know you love sushi. What do you do? Do you work outside the home? What, what, what else do you do? Tell me about your family. Tell them, I mean, that's normal. And you would tend to think that the person you're asking that question to after they tell you about their life is going to say back to you, well, hey, John, I never asked you either. Well, what do you do for a living? And 
your family. And then before you know it, oh, I didn't know you were a financial advisor. I've got someone that I haven't seen in a year or who you know lives in another state or I do it on my own. And I had these questions about what's going on in the market. Maybe, well, if you'd like, we have a webinar next Tuesday. No, no, uh, you know, no pressure, but I'd be happy to send you an invitation if you'd like, and you can kind of see where it goes from there. Is that pretty much the way you see a lot of the folks that you coach, how it progresses? It, absolutely, it does. And, it, and it, I'm telling you, it gets easier and easier. If it's, uh, so take that Aaron's example of, of gosh, anyone you know, uh, we'd be happy to make time for them. It could be, hey, anyone else at Acme Company? Anyone else in your department? Or anyone on your floor that also enjoys wine like us? Maybe it would be fun to do something. So that's how to take this to the next level. But I like how you you offered that one about a, a, a webinar, John, because I think that this is the next level. This is this is the next step with, with all of this is you've got to manufacture some ways to make it easy for these people to introduce you. You know, every once in a while, there might be some educational topic that's just of, of, of tremendous interest. Um, there's another uh, Barron's top uh, advisor. They've got a specific niche with a company. And every once in a while, there'll be some change or something happens in that company. And so they're the first to say, hey, we're going to give you some education about this important topic. If there's anyone else you know who's worried about this, you know, we'll, we'll welcome to the webinar. It, it works sometimes. Education isn't always the best. The fun things are way better. I'd much rather go have sushi with John Cutton than you know, hear you speak about the benefits in, in, in our company. So the fun activities are it. And it's probably a mix of things that you come up with, but the best ideas are gonna be from these targeted people, the one or two people you start with, the people on your board. That's the stuff to find out from them. What would they wanna do? What might their guests wanna do together? They're gonna have your best ideas. And I would build your entire marketing plan based on those ideas and really implement those things that are gonna get you access to the people that you can help best. Yeah, no, well said, John. Um, I'll tell you, I, I don't remember if I read it or I listened to a podcast. Uh, this is a while back, but it was around a young advisor who loved football, right? And it could have been you who told me. I, I, I'm not sure. So if it was, let me know. I really don't remember where I heard it. Uh, That's what happens sometimes. I just, I, I, I eventually assume it was my idea. Um, but they built their marketing plan around Monday Night Football. And they literally, was it you, John, or no? No. Oh, okay. So they, they literally um, said, hey, I'm going to invite people that I care about, that I think could be good clients, um, that we have co this commonality around football. And they sponsored a Monday Night Football. And they paid for it, and they invited people down. And they ate wings and drank beer and watched Monday Night Football at a local bar or restaurant, I presume. And over time, it didn't happen right away, but something like two-thirds of the 30 or 40 folks that were coming became clients. A lot of them worked at the same company. Um, in fact, I think they all might have worked at the same company was the business model there. And before you know it, this young man who loved Monday Night Football was having a great time and there with a bunch of employees at the same firm and was able to you know, create some level of quantum growth in his business as well. So I, I've enjoyed this conversation, John, thoroughly. Um, 
it's actually, it, it's, I keep saying to Shenandoah, I love doing these because it makes this stuff clear to me. We talk a lot about spending more time working on the business, right? And less time working in it. Every time I actually get to interview someone really smart like you, um, I get excited and my brain starts going and I start to go, wow, we could do this and it's clear. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask, and then I wanted to just kind of wrap up and I know Shenandoah, you had a couple of things that you wanted to share as well. Um, anything that we didn't ask you, John, that you think is important uh, that we missed around uh, kind of this whole concept of niche marketing? I, I would just say, um, and Shenandoah kind of asked this around, you know, how many niches sh should one have or, or start with? I mean, the, the holy grail is one that you just make your career on and it's possible to do, but uh, it's, it's likely that most of you listening, you, you're not there yet and we want to help you get there. So let's start with two, maybe start with three. And if you can have a small group of, of, of two or three of these, you're going to need some to try and get some traction on. So uh, you, you might start with one, it might not get much traction. But if you have two or three uh, and you've got you know, one or two clients in each of these areas to start with, it's likely that you're going to get traction in, in, in one of those if you got two or three that you're starting with. So, so you're unfortunately going to have to start a little bit wider you're going to have to narrow down. And, and look, it's, it's very unique to the advisor. It really has to do with what's your access within your client base and what's the commonality? What's your interest with people? Is there anything that you can connect on besides you know, managing their money or giving them financial planning advice? And so look, I, I've worked with hundreds of advisors and, and helped them figure this out, but it, it's definitely unique. But I'd say just start with what's the commonality within your client base, what things can you get connected with them on? If you're not sure what those are, hey, it, if, if there's a group of people you wanna focus on, treat them like they're the queen of England and find out lots about them. Have conversations about what they like to do personally if you haven't gone there yet. Uh, what's their favorite beverage? I've seen people send out uh, surveys for this. You could have conversations for this. So just take those steps and, and I'm telling you, the more narrow you can get, the deeper you'll be able to go in these niches. And remember the niche, uh, uh, or we could call it, there's riches and niches. This is really how, it, it's the advisors that crack the code on going deeper. They're the ones that build Barron's top 100 practices. And all of you can do it. Everyone at Barron's 100 started from zero. So all of you can do this. It just requires thinking a little bit differently and doing some things a little bit differently. Excellent. And I, I will add, I think and we kind of touched on this a little bit. It does help if you focus on those those niches, those segments, people who you enjoy serving, you enjoy being around, that joy actually will translate to a positive experience for your prospects as well. And so that's why those affinity groups help. And or even if it is targeting a specific um, company like Acme here, you know, that sell all those anvils for Mr. Coyote, uh, you know, inviting them to Monday Night Football, you're still doing something that you enjoy. It makes, it takes the pressure off the marketing. It takes the pressure off the selling. And I think that's why financial advisors can get into that, that used car salesman mode that they might get into and they're trying too hard from a place of almost desperation to get the deal. If you focus on building connections, on, on serving people and being of service, it just takes the pressure off of marketing and everybody can breathe and it makes it just, it happens so much more naturally. But that's my two cents. Uh, before we wrap up, 
I know that you actually have something for our audience that you put together to kind of help around um, them figuring out for themselves what their niche or niche is, if they're fancy, um, how they go about figuring out what that is and, and, and using that information. Can you tell us a little bit about that tool that you're giving us? Yeah, so we've got a great assessment to really gauge where you're at here. Uh, do you have a niche? Uh, how deep are you into this? Uh, a lot of the areas that we covered today, the assessment's going to take you through those areas. So, uh, so go through it. it it's quick. It's, it'll take you literally a couple of minutes to go through and you rate yourself in these different areas. And so based on what you uncover here, this will help give you your starting point of what you should do next. If you've got something that you can go deeper with or you need to identify something, this will be your starting point. And you can almost follow it for what are the next steps that you should take to go deeper. You know, if you get to the next level, uh, you want to go to the level after that. It's really all there. So a couple minutes on the assessment would be great. And uh, I tell you, this is one of the greatest ways to grow your practice. Yeah, John, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so thank you for the time today. I know we're getting a little short on time. And um, yeah, I, I think as, as you really think about it, I think you said it well a minute ago, John, um, the best practices out there that are growing are finding a way to bring new assets, new clients, new net flows right into their organizations each and every year. Uh, and I've yet to find a better way to do it than niche, 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 whatever you want to call it, marketing. So uh, I encourage everyone to think about how you can implement this uh, in your practice and some, you know, kind of shameless selling here for John. Uh, I think he's as good as it gets uh, for someone to help you do that within your business. So with that, Shenandoah, why don't we let you kind of take us away? Yeah, absolutely. So once again, everyone, if you look at the show notes, I will put a link to that asset and it will also have um, information on how to contact John directly, as well as just, you know, ways to connect with everyone on LinkedIn. Um, we know that that's the best way to connect with us. We're here to help and answer questions. And I'm sure we'll have John back again. We got so many questions on that first podcast. So I will be linking to that in the show notes as well. So you can go back and listen to that. And uh, I'm sure we'll be back to talk more about some other topics that came up in there. Thank you once again for joining us. Stay tuned for our next episode. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes that come out every week. And we'll see you here next week. Y'all have a good one. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.